You're listening to the Two Degrees Podcast, a podcast dedicated to having constructive and positive discussions around climate change and climate-related policy. Two Degrees is a project of the New York Youth Climate Leaders. The opinions and perspectives discussed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the New York Youth Climate Leaders. Welcome to the first episode of Two Degrees. Um, I'm Bridget. (laughs) I'm the host of this. And um, I'm just going to share a little bit about myself. So I'm 15 years old and I live in Rochester, New York. And how I got involved with this climate action is I have just always been like loved the environment and I play like three sports that are all outdoor sports. And um, so that's originally why I wanted to get involved. And when I got to high school, I joined the climate club and um, from there, um, I just had guidance from people who were older than me that eventually got me involved with the New York Youth Climate Leaders, and I've just kind of been having a good time since then. So today, we're going to be talking about just our organization, the New York Youth Climate Leaders, and um, we have three guests, um, Radesh, Liam, and Lindsay, and yeah, let's, let's introduce them. Um, Radesh, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Radesh Singh. I am based in Rochester, New York. I serve as the executive director for the New York Climate Leaders, and I help to co-found this coalition with uh, Liam and Lindsay. Great. Okay, Lindsay can go next. Hello, I'm Lindsay. I'm also in the Rochester area. I'm 17 years old, and I have also co-founded this organization. I currently serve as the director of operations. And Leah. (laughs) Hey guys, uh, yeah, so I got involved in climate stuff because <clears throat> my mom is really involved in this movement. So back in the uh, freshman year, I went to this climate summit with Radesh, and then from that we got involved and we've been working together on this kind of stuff ever since. So yeah, this fall, this past fall, I co-founded this with Lindsay Radesh, and uh, been excited to work on this ever since. Great. All right, so. First, this is actually really interesting for me because I don't know a lot about how you guys formed. So, like, when did you decide to form NY2CL? Why? And, like, how did you do it? Um, I'll say, I guess, Radesh, you're the executive director. You can share this. Yeah, definitely. So, the kind of the genesis around the New York Youth Climate Leaders came out of the global climate strikes. So, most of you probably know the global climate strikes this past um, September 2019 where literally millions of people from across the world walked out of their schools, workplaces, homes, to protest against the continued governmental inaction on the climate crisis. So for that global climate strike, we went to New York City on September 20th to attend the strike downtown at Foley Square. Um, And we were among over 250,000 individuals of all ages um, concerned about the climate crisis. And we were so inspired by the energy at that event that we felt that we wanted to continue that energy and channel that energy at the state house, uh, New York State, to push for more climate policy at our state level. So what were like the early stages of when you formed this organization? What were they like and like what were you doing trying to get everyone together? Um, Ice Lindsay, you can answer this one. So I remember getting a phone call from Radish about a week after we got back from New York City. 
and he was so hyped about this idea for the New York Youth Climate Leaders, and he was really excited about the fact that it would be NY Squared CL. And if I'm remembering this correctly, I don't think Liam and I were too hot on the name, but it stuck, and we're still using it to this day. Um, early stages, though, it was the three of us for a long time. I think our first meeting was at a Panera making a Google Doc. It was my first experience using Google Drive, which is weird because it's become my life now. But just a lot of calls, Zoom calls, WhatsApp calls in the middle of the night trying to plan this. Yeah. I love that. Um, that's actually funny that you talked about NR squared CL because I actually didn't get why it had the squared for the longest time. And then one day I was on a call and it was like my mind was blown. So, and um, how did you decide what this would look like, like the different teams you would have, um, just how it would operate essentially? And Lindsay, you are the director of operations. So do you want to just take a stab at that question? Absolutely. Uh, so that kind of evolved. We didn't start as like organized as we are now with the specific channels and teams that came a lot later. Um, for a while, it was very small and just kind of a core group of people doing things. We had done outreach primarily in Rochester, but we had expanded a little bit. Um, I, I will say, I believe when we released our first application for leadership positions and we got a couple more people on board making influential decisions, that's really what spurred this and made it grow and allowed us to like develop teams and have enough people to have the teams that we needed. All right, so I'm just gonna like read through the mission statement real quick um, for anyone who hasn't heard it. So NYTCL is a policy-driven coalition of youth organizations from across New York State. We coordinate and empower youth to advocate for comprehensive, equitable, and effective climate solutions. We strive to improve New Yorkers' quality of life, protect frontline communities, and ensure environmental and economic vitality for generations to come. So I kind of just want to like dissect the mission statement. So what does it really mean for something to be policy-driven? What does that entail? Um, I'm going to ask Liam. Yeah, so being policy-driven means that uh, you have specific legislative act, uh, asks at the center of all of your work. And so that's something we, we, we try to do at NY2CL because we feel that it's important not only to, you know, have ideas about where, we, where we'd like to see things going, but also have the policy and, um, like, the studies to back it up. Great. So we can kind of take these three words as, like, a um, package, but um, let's just look at how... How would you express what you mean by like comprehensive, equitable, and effective? Um, Radesh, do you want to answer? Sure, because obviously, um, you know, when we look at the climate crisis, that this issue is a very multifaceted issue that's going to require a multitude of solutions in order to truly address this crisis. So when we talk about comprehensive solutions um, that, you know, ensure equity and also also are effective. These solutions are multifaceted. They're, they address m multiple aspects of the economy or society that they're not just kind of surface level issues that don't really get to the systemic 
um, problems that have caused the climate crisis, that they truly get to the roots of this issue to, in order to truly address it moving forward. Great, thanks. So um, since we're policy-driven, we have a policy platform. So um, when you like add something to the policy platform, which is what you talk a lot about in policy calls, what does this like really mean and entail that we do following that? And Liam, you can answer. <laughs> the question was, what does adding stuff to a policy platform mean? Yes. So basically, you know, we're, we're a coalition of, of groups. So um, adding something to our policy platform to say we officially advocate for it, um, it, it can sometimes be a prolonged process uh, because, you know, a couple of us may really like a policy item, but, um, you, know, you know, by design, our organization is designed to um, take in input from other groups. Um, and so we have a wide variety of stakeholders in our organization and um, we like to get buy-in from each different coalition member before adding anything to our policy platform. Um, so yeah, every, we have our policy calls every week and we kind of dive into different um, policy items and different uh, bills and then d discuss with the, the broader coalition if there's something we might want to pursue. Okay, so um, do you guys just want to summarize real quick just what is on our policy platform? And you don't have to be super um, specific with it because we are, I think we're going to have episodes in the coming, in the near future about that. So yeah, um, any of you can do it, but Liam, you can do it. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, and we can each um, contribute to this. Um, you know, because we collaborated to start the initial policy platform before we went through, you know, revisions and adding different things. But uh, initially we had a three-pronged policy platform. Um, and, you know, we, we, we centered these policy items in, like, an environmental justice lens. Um, that is, you know, looking for policies that not only reduce the effects of climate change, but protect the most vulnerable and protect our generation from future harm. And so uh, I, I said there were like a, th a three-pronged um, platform and that, that was uh, polluter accountability, uh, divestment, and stopping all new fossil fuel infrastructure. Um, and so uh, for the polluter penalty, um, we've been advocating for the Climate and Community Investment Act, which is a basically a, a carbon tax bill. It uh, Im would impose a um, $35 per metric ton fee on fossil fuels, and that would rise uh, steadily every year. And that um, the, the funds from that um, you know, fee would be used to fund investment in a d bunch of different um, areas, but focused on green infrastructure, focused on helping communities that are, you know, currently really invested in the fossil fuel industry to transition to um, other areas with like worker um, transition programs and just making sure that we invest um, in environmental justice communities. Um, Radesh, do you want to cover the second piece, the divestment? Yeah, sure. So 
We also support divestment of all public assets away from the fossil fuel industry. Historically, divestment has shown huge success in terms of changing public policy. For example, um, during the apartheid movement of the 80s and 90s, there's a huge international push to divest away from the apartheid regime of South Africa, which eventually led to um, the regime collapsing um, and political change happening. Um, so we've been involved with pushing the for the Common Retirement Fund, which is basically the public pension fund of all public workers in New York State to divest away from the fossil fuel industry. And that fund is called the Common Retirement Fund, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and in order to divest that fund, uh, which uh, it has around $10 billion worth of assets in directly invested in the fossil fuel industry, we've been pushing forward the Fossil Fuel Divestment Act, which currently has a majority of sponsors in the state Senate and has about 65 sponsors in the assembly. So we've been gaining a lot of traction um, in the past couple months getting more sponsors on that bill. And we hope to get that bill passed um, in the upcoming legislative session. Okay, so the third pillar of our policy platform at the beginning was no further expansion of fossil fuel infrastructure in New York State, which has been the hardest to push for because especially in the beginning when we were very Rochester centric and we hadn't expanded so much of New York State, because we have no corresponding legislation at the moment, most of this work had to be done in communities who are having to endure expansion of fossil fuel infrastructure. So companies are coming in and trying to put pipelines in or other stuff like that. So now that we've expanded and cover a bigger geographic area in New York State, we've focused more on this and we're starting to focus more on this and direct a lot of our efforts to working with communities who are dealing with these expansions of fossil fuel infrastructure and putting pipelines in their backyards. So even though there's no corresponding legislation, it's still definitely a prominent piece of our policy platform. One specific action that we've taken is, um, well, when the Williams pipeline got, um, you know, a key, a key permit was denied by the DEC, we uh, joined this, this coalition of groups that are working to make sure that the plan B for the Williams pipeline is renewable, that it's not um, further natural gas infrastructure. And so, uh, I've been attending meetings for that project and we signed a letter um, calling on Public Service Commission in Cuomo to make sure that we um, fund electrification rather than um, more natural gas. All right, great. So now I just want to go into talking about what we do like in our day to day. Um, and I'll just read through. We have five different um, teams that we, we use Slack. For. And um, they are the policy team, just discusses the policy, um, finance, um, press, art and music, and social media. It's pretty self-explanatory. So, um, so I just wanted to ask you guys, can you guys um, just summarize, like, what are the main actions you've done since you formed? I honestly don't know how long ago it was that you formed, but um, yeah. I'll ask Lindsay. Okay, so we actually, we formed less than a year ago. I think officially November 2019 was our official beginning. Um, but since then, we've done smaller actions in the beginning, like organizing call-a-thons. We have this program that's member organization challenges. So we challenged our member organizations to do a specific thing each month. And I think for the month of January, that was call 
your member or call your representative and talk to them in support of our policy platform. So we've done some smaller things like that. We've had groups do letter writing campaigns, and then we've also expanded to cover strikes and rallies. We had a statewide strike day in February, and we actually did find some success from that, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and then as for lobbying, I can let Liam speak to this a little bit more, but we have done a very large amount of lobbying in support of our policy platform. Yeah, at NY Squared CL, we think that um, lobbying is one of the most effective ways to affect change. Um, because when you lobby, you, you have direct discussions with the people who make the decisions that matter to you. And you can directly convey your concerns and you know what you would want them to do to uh, fix the problems we're facing. Um, and so we've organized a few different lobby activities, one of them being a youth lobby day to go along with Earth Day. We held that over Zoom and we had 140 participants and over 40 lobby meetings, uh, which was really successful in getting new co-sponsors for the uh, polluter penalty bill and the divestment bill we're advocating for. Uh, we also had a lobby drive in May uh, where we tried to rack up co-sponsors and support in the Senate um, to introduce and pass our or sorry, to bring to the vote the Fossil Fuel Divestment Act. I've lobbied before and it, I feel like it's a really good way to get involved. It's actually one of the first things I ever did with NY2CL. Um, so has anything changed like now that we're doing everything from a distance from how you did it before? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So obviously, you know, with the entire pandemic, our kind of our whole operation has had to shift online. Um, fortunately for us, most of our stuff, even pre-pandemic, was virtual. We had um, weekly Zoom meetings uh, with members, with other people, um, whether that be in organizations or other youth organizations as well. So it was actually relatively an easy transition for us. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of Slack messages, um, and a lot of time on screens kind of just pushing for climate policy. Um, but actually, you know, ever since the pandemic started, we've been able to um, increase actually our energy and our time spent organizing because a lot of youth don't really have stuff to do or they have more free time. So they've been able to spend more time pushing for climate policy at the state legislature. Yeah, definitely. So lastly, I just have a few questions that really don't relate to what you're talking about, but they're definitely good things to talk about. So. What would be your advice for someone who's trying to start a climate ex organization in their area? Because you guys, I know you all have experience with that, obviously. <laughs> um, Lindsay, you can go. You haven't talked in a little bit. Uh, definitely outreach. That's probably the biggest thing in my mind. Um, making sure you have a broad base and that you can connect to people and that you have a solid core of people who want to be involved and who are active and it's not just a bunch of people who say they want to be involved and don't because that can happen sometimes so just make sure you have that fully functioning solid core also if you're in new york state join the new york youth climate leaders and we'll help you out i love that um what effect do you really think that taking that new york taking this comprehensive and equitable and effective um, action could have on other parts of the U.S. and even the world as a whole. Um, Radesh. Yeah, definitely. Well, historically, New York State has been a leader when it comes to 
a variety of different issues, um, not only in the United States, but in the world. New York State alone has an economy comparable to the size of South Korea. So the actions that New York State takes have ramifications in the nation, in the world, um, which is why we hope through our coalition organization, the New York Youth Climate Leaders, we hope to continue to solidify New York State's role as a leader on climate. Ever since uh, last year, the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act was passed um, in June 2019 and signed by the governor this past December of 2019, um, setting really ambitious goals and targets for the state to reach um, in terms of reducing carbon emissions, but also expanding renewable energy infrastructure in our state. We hope to continue that progress in the upcoming legislative session, because after all, um, the climate crisis is one of the the greatest existential issue that not only our generation, but future generations face. And New York State must take more action in order to truly address this crisis with the actions needed to combat it. That's great. Um, lastly, um, we, have, we did a poll on Instagram and we didn't get a ton of questions, but so the question was, which team is most interactive? If you just want to talk about why that is and what kind of things that team does, anyone can do it. Liam, I think Liam. my uh, personal inclination would be to say that the posse team is a very good way to uh, get involved. That might be because I am one of the posse leads, but um, I do think that you know working with the posse team, there's a lot of opportunities to. Um, express your, your thoughts on policy and, you know, what kind of policy matters to you and how we can best support climate uh, action in your region. And also working with the policy team, there are a lot of options, uh, a lot of ways to get involved in terms of actually advocating for lobbying for meaningful legislation. That being said, there are a bunch of other um, teams and there are ways to get involved with pretty much every single one of them. Yeah, the first team I got involved with was the art and music team. It was a really nice, like, stepping stone. So I think that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Thank you. So our producers are Anna Saracoletti, Natalie Penna, and Sophie Campbell. The music is by Francis Bach. And our guests today were Liam Smith, Lindsay Cody, and Rajesh Singh. You can go follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at NY2CL and Twitter at NY Youth Climate.